Hey, and welcome in, film fans. This is the SDFP on Saturday, the 26th of May. It's Memorial Day weekend, and we've not forgotten about you, film fans. In fact, we have missed you. Seems like it's been a really long time since our last pod, guys. Joined with the regular crew, the popcorn correspondent. Good to be back with you, Sam. Good to see you too, Dean. Champ, you as well. Doing good, champ? Yeah, man, I'm feeling good. It's beautiful outside. A little hot for my blood. I need to be over there by the water, but I'm, I'm excited to be back and uh, talking some movies with you guys. Yeah, we took a little bit of time off. There weren't any great releases the past couple weeks, but we got a couple big ones. Uh, today, we're going to be featured, uh, we're featuring Deadpool 2. That's going to be our main review. Next week, we're going to be doing Solo. So some big summer blockbusters are hitting just in time for Memorial Day weekend, guys. No surprise there. But before we get to Deadpool 2 and our featured review, we're going to do Who's Watching What. It's been a little while, so we want to run down what we've been seeing, whether TV or in film. But before all that, as we say every pod, there are a whole bunch of ways to connect with the SDFP. Yeah, basically just go on any social media out there and search Second Day Film Podcast. That's on SoundCloud, Facebook, uh, iTunes. We're on Second Day Film written out on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at secondayfilm.com. Uh, basically just interact with us any way, uh, any way you want to. Give us some suggestions. Tell us what you want us to, to check out and see. Um, yeah, we just want to interact with you guys and out there. One thing if you could do, tell all of your friends to go to our Facebook page and then invite all of their friends. If you mm -hmm. do that, I mean, we're bound to get some likes here and there. We want to grow this, and you guys can help yeah, us do that. Absolutely. We just got a like from Celebration Cinema North, guys. We did. Celebration is starting to notice us. They're starting to notice <laughs> us in their busy schedule. It's yeah. getting exciting. We're, we're just go. a couple likes away from 200. So if you could be that 200 like, uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, give you a free uh, business card or something like that. <laughs> you can send him a mouse pad. Yeah, there you go. A free giveaway. Yeah. A shout out on the pod. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, we'll figure gonna, something out. We'll figure it out. We're going to start with who's watching what. And I, I want to start right away with Chappaquiddick because Champ and I, on our week off, we actually decided to go to Woodland Celebration. This had already been kind of slated for the secondary theater. And... I want to dive right into this before we get to Sam's Who's Watching What. Champ, run this flick down if you could. Uh, tell us who's in it, what's it all about. Yeah, so Chappaquiddick is it's directed by John Curran, and it stars Jason Clark as Senator Ted Kennedy. Uh, Kate Mara is in this, Ed Helms, Bruce Dern, Jim Gaffigan, Clancy Brown, and Olivia Thirlby. Uh, basically, this movie um, sort of tells the story of a little slice of history that Ted Kennedy was involved in, in which he um, basically killed a girl while he was driving his car, drove her off a bridge, um, and uh, this is in 1969 on Chappaquiddick Island. Um, so sort of a hidden piece of history, and the film sort of chronicles the actual event and sort of the aftermath and how the Kennedys dealt with it and so on and so forth. It's been out for quite a while. Like we said, we had to go to Woodland yeah. to check it out, which kind of has the older movies, yeah. but it was something that me and Evan for sure had wanted to see, um, so we thought it would be a good one to go check out. Yeah, I've been on a couple of polls, and uh, I think I gave it a vote. Maybe Tina Champion might have punch Chappaquiddick. Shout out, Mom. Yeah, Shout out but Mom. not a whole lot for Chappaquiddick. <laughs> uh, and, and maybe Rampage will be somewhere down the line for you, Sam. Oh, yeah, Woodland. But I have before I you know commit to going to Woodland, I have to ask, did they honor the bucket? They do. Okay, so oh, we yeah. can go. So Rampage next week at Woodland. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have committed to that. We got another film to see. <laughs> but I want to start, though, with, with what I liked about Chappaquiddick. Jason Clark was outstanding as the lead of Ted Kennedy. I think where he shined the most in this film was during those moments of internal struggle. You can see he wants to do the right thing amidst this scandal. He wants to come forward, kind of be honest about what really happened that night. At the same time, he's pressured. You know, he's got uh, pr pressure particularly by his father to, to protect the family reputation. He also wants to maintain his status as he's considered a future uh, presidential uh, candidate. So the scenes with Clark and his father, Joseph Kennedy, who's played by Bruce Dern, those were especially powerful. And it's also, an, at times, I think, kind of stunning showcase of how power, especially political power, can influence those around you. I mean, we see those who work for the Kennedys and their campaigns do everything they can to help out the family and Ted during this scandal and remain loyal. But not only that, also, they, they have their own political beliefs and views, and they want to make sure those are sought through. 
Uh, I thought, yeah, Jason Clark was great as the lead. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of conversation that's strung throughout this movie about the idea of the Kennedy legacy and pride and how that needs to stand up regardless of the situation. Uh, at this time, Ted, Ted Kennedy is the only Kennedy brother who's still alive. Uh, Bobby had been assassinated. JFK had been assassinated. Um, so he is holding the legacy of the Kennedy name at this point. Um, and this this issue that happens obviously throws things in a tailspin. But I, what I really liked about this movie, and I sort of, I said this after to you, Evan, is I compare it to sort of ESPN's 30 for 30 series. And what I like about the 30 for 30s is they really take a moment in history and put the microscope on it. They really bring out like every little thing that had to do with a very specific point in time and really mm. tells everything about it. This is a, a part of history that I didn't know about before seeing yeah. this movie, and I think a lot of people maybe have forgotten about it as it sort of shifted into the background. And I think that, like the 30 for 30s, the directors and the filmmakers did a great job sort of illuminating the whole issue that was going on on Chappaquiddick Island. And I didn't research a ton afterwards to figure out how this was put together, but there are so many moments where it's just Ted Kennedy and maybe his his best friend, what was his name? It was played by Ed Helms. He was like a longtime family friend, kind of the Yeah, he was a kid. cousin who was basically adopted by the Kennedy family. You wonder where the filmmakers got the, I guess, the information to very specifically say this is what happened and this is how Ted Kennedy handled it. Because without giving too much away, it shines the Kennedy family in an extremely negative light. So it's interesting to see you know, if they took any liberties or kind of jumped any gaps in that story. I'm not really sure about that, actually. Yeah, I mean, I would guess that it's, you know, sort of pieced together through different sort of accounts of what happened, and it's their best guess. Uh, you know, it's history, so, I mean, we don't want to give away specific spoilers of the movie, but it is history, yeah. so you can go and look up what happened. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting is throughout the whole movie, there's talk of the moon landing and how the moon is happening. And this is right when Neil Armstrong and was uh, Apollo 13 was happening. So it's a constant presence throughout the movie. And I think that's important because it illustrates maybe why people haven't realized this incident in history, because it was so overshadowed by the lunar landing, which was obviously something that people thought maybe would never happen. So it was just dominating the headlines yeah. and it sort of shows how maybe Something like this involving a very famous person might have slid through the cracks of history. Yeah, and we know he obviously never got a presidential bid, but he was among the Dems running at one point, and he held a place in the U.S. Senate for a long time. So they actually showed what I think were real clips of interviews afterwards of mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. asking, you know, just random citizens their opinions of him following the incident. One thing I didn't like, and we talked about this right after, Champ, is I think generally speaking, it's kind of a dark troop. Uh, crime drama and, and some of the humor that was featured mostly in the middle portion of the film there wasn't much of a comedic tone in the beginning or the end but there was just randomly a bunch of jokes scattered right in the heart of it and not just that but humor about things that you wouldn't envision people in this situation joking about i mean these are real world issues with huge consequences Perhaps that was intentional to paint Ted Kennedy as kind of like an O for like the dark horse. The, the black the sheep of the yeah, family. Yeah, the black sheep of the family. But for me, that humor missed the mark a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Some of the humor was a little bit odd. It felt strangely timed within the concept of the overall movie. Um, but overall, I really liked it. I agree. Clark as the lead was a, was strong. Um, Kate Mara and her limited screen time is very charming, and it makes her death all the more tragic. Um, you know, Ed Helms is good. The supporting cast, I think, does a Bruce Dern as, as a very old, you know, Jack Kennedy, who's in wheelchair-bound. Oh, yeah. he, he delivers a good performance without speaking. Um, so I think it's a cool movie that illuminates a part of history that maybe have snuck through the cracks, and um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out, I think, especially if you're into history. Yeah, I agree. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I kind of wavered, and you did too. You went on the high side. Yeah, we, we both agreed we'd probably be around a 7.5. I decided to round up to an 8 because I, I like the movie a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it, it, there's one line that I think is interesting, and it's not too much of a spoiler to say, but Sorensen, one of his advisors at the end, as he's battling with what to do about this, and Ted Kennedy asks him, "Did I do? The, am I doing the right thing?" And he says, "I don't know, Ted. History usually decides these things." I'd say Ted Kennedy made the right, maybe not the right decision, but in terms of history, I'd say he won that game. Oh, absolutely, and that was a powerful line. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know you didn't see that, Sam. Mm -hmm. um, Sounds like something that I'm going to have to uh, definitely put on the on check on the list there. Um, I love true, true facts, true stories. Yeah. That's one of my bases I always, you know, rely on. 
Not a murder mystery. Well, so, that's up for debate, actually. Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay, absolutely. But uh, what have you been watching, Sam? Um, so actually, like back in November, I was having a tough time of just a lull point, you know, of of, of a show to watch. So I kind of did like a a Netflix kind of uh, um, dive in. I just kind of went through Netflix, seeing what was out there. I didn't really know. Sometimes when you search online on Netflix, it's it's just like you know this this this. You've already seen them all. So I came across the the show Riverdale. Um, I was kind of skeptical about it. It's just about this, uh, the right the take from IMDb is a submersive take on Archie and his friends exploring small town life, the darkness and weirdness bubbling beneath Riverdale's wholesome facade. Yep. The Archie comics. Yeah, so yep. It's, Some it's people right might be the, familiar with those. So the Archie comics, yeah. And Riverdale is actually the city that they live in. Um, then there's, uh, you know, the south side and the north side that have their feud. And um, it just kind of a tale on, like, high school kids that kind of, like, make their way through town and have some really odd circumstances come up and how they are able to face them and overcome them. But it, to me, at uh, you know, to an extent, to let me just tell you to, you know, clarify, I did watch this whole series in two days, the whole oh, first wow. season. I was that, like, plowed through it. Classic Netflix binge. Yeah, you know, a snow day in. I literally watched almost the, the whole show. Um, so I was a little, it was a while before the second season came out for me because I don't have the CW, which it airs on, and it's very hard to find that on demand. So <clears throat> I was holding off and waiting to watch it, and we were able to actually, with Amazon Prime, pay for it and watch season two. Season two comes out on Netflix. It might actually hit Netflix this week. I, I'm really intrigued with it. Like, the storyline's great. It's it's just a bunch of high school kids who have to fight these these odd circumstances between Southsiders, which are the Southside Serpents is the name of the gang or the affiliation or the biker group, however you want to you put them together. Um, it seems like they just have a bad rap that we don't really know about yet. They haven't gave us too much detail on why Southside. They, they look at the Southside as, like, the, the drug runners... Um, the criminals, like, um, they kind of... Yeah, it's kind of rich versus poor. Right, exactly. So then, then you have the higher the hierarchy, which even the mayor is on the side of the Northsiders. The soldiers and the greasers, is that what yeah, we're talking about? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, basically, you've got the bikers right in the, and, the rich, and the rich families. You're right in there. And um, it pretty much follows behind the lines of Archie, played by K.J. Kappa. Um, I wasn't too familiar with him. The only person I was really familiar with is Cole Sprouse, if you've ever seen The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody on Disney Channel. That's Big right. Daddy. Big Daddy. Um, actually, both <laughs> yeah. twins, they flip yeah. out to be the, the kid there. Um, and so <clears throat> he plays Jughead, who is actually... Um, kind of the outsider. The, yeah, he's kind of the the guy that everyone's kind of like, you hang out with these, you know, but then again, he just, you know, is quiet to himself. Um, Archie's the big bad, most popular. Everyone, everyone wants to be with Archie. Um, Betty is the is the goody two shoe, but is she too goody two shoe? Um, her mom really forces her to be. Who is the editor of the newspaper? Um, so a lot of ties to everything. And then uh, Veronica Lodge is the new girl that yeah. moves to town, and everything changes. So it's just a it's a very very unique show for me. I just I I've kind of started watching it just off a hunch. But quickly, you know, was, you know, filled with, well, shoot, now I really got to watch it all because, you know, I got to know what's going to happen next. And uh, it kind of hooked me, grabbed me. Um, I like it. It's on. The first season is definitely on Netflix. The second season comes out either at the end of the month or the beginning of yeah, June. It I, just hit. I was going to say it must have just hit because uh, it was at the end of this month. And then they actually have signed on to do a season three. Okay. So we will be seeing three seasons. So if you're looking for a new show. Dive into Riverdale. It's a little teen drama, kind of. But these teens really nail down adult issues. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, so I won't go too long, but I saw the first season. I'm, yep. I'm just about to start the second season at some point. And the characters Sam describes couldn't be more cliche within the teen drama. <laughs> yeah. But this this series is different. You know, I mean, it's made by, it's it's produced for the CW, which has kind of really hammered home those teen drama yeah. shows. But yep. there's something different about this. I was really interested. I thought the actors and actresses did really well. Of course, at the heart of the film is, is a mystery. I'm a sucker for mysteries there's yep. a particular character i won't give much away who dies a young uh, student yep. and they kind of have to unravel what happened and that's what i was saying with the like the adult circumstances that they have to really yeah. you know like they 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 want to capture who did it think of like twin peaks if you're thinking of like a 90s show i mean david lynch twin peaks 
something along those lines. It's yeah. a little bizarre. So, yeah, I, I got to watch the second season, but I was actually surprised at how much I enjoyed the first. And I would agree wholeheartedly. It's a seven out of, or 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb, um, which is pretty impressive for me. I, wouldn't, I never thought it would be that high. I was kind of shocked to see it at that high. So it missed me, and I'm not the only one that digs it. Yeah. So yeah, it's not bad. All right, Champ, what are you watching other than uh, Chappaquiddick? Yeah, I just got one other show I got to mention since this is a film podcast, and I know you guys have heard me talk all about this yeah. in our little group text. Um, but I'm in love with the AMC show, James Cameron's Story of Science Fiction. Um, like I said, you guys have heard me blab about this, but it's basically a show who's made for people like us who love movies and anyone who would be listening to this podcast who love movies. Uh, it's basically a documentary style show that examines different aspects of science fiction. Um, so, so far there's been four that have aired and they've been uh, aliens, space, monsters, and dark futures. Um, and there's two more set to air Monday called Intelligent Machines and Time Travel. Um, what I love about the show is intermixed with sort of scenes from some of the great science fiction films is James Cameron sitting at a table having nerdy film conversations with great directors like Steven Spielberg, Guillermo del Toro, Christopher Nolan, Ridley Scott, George Lucas, and they take sort of deep dives into science fiction. Um, and, and just listening to them talk about these abstract concepts associated with sci-fi, um, you can see why they have created such amazing films within the genre. Um, there's also a lot of like super famous actors and authors and genre experts and some of sort of the technical experts of the genre that have created some of the most memorable creatures from the genre that are interviewed and provide thought-provoking commentary mixed in with scenes from these great movies. Um, so it's really just all about nerding out about movies and about science fiction in general i really love that obviously as a film nerd um there is a spoiler alert i do have to say for some shows like stranger things and a, ha a handmaid's tale they do go really in depth and sort of spoil some of those shows so if you haven't seen those make sure you watch them or at least skip that part okay. and also older films like alien aliens close encounters of the third kind you know movies that have been out for a while they kind of delve in a little bit farther than you would want if you were planning on your head and seeing those movies. Um, but it, it's the type of show that I wish AMC had more of. It's really just about movies and the heart of movies. So James Cameron's story of science fiction. Interesting. It's on AMC. He's kind of the king, but you said they've got other sci-fi directors, actors, I'm sure. Well, well yeah, Steven Spielberg obviously can say a few things about, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, you know, aliens. You know, he's made a lot of alien movies, a lot of AI movies. Guillermo del Toro is like the king of monsters. Oh, yeah. um, so he, he talks a lot in that episode. Um, I think Christopher Nolan's going to be featured a lot in the, the one coming up about intelligent machines and and stuff like that. No George um, Lucas? George Lucas was in the space episode, okay, well, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, the creator of Star Wars. So it's, it's just a really interesting show for cinephiles, for people like us. It's really geared towards people who like to look at movies and more of an abstract and like, why are we making these? Why are these things happens? And it delves into some really unique concepts about sci-fi and why we're making sci-fi movies. Interesting. Well, if you're listening to the pod, if you'd like listening to film pods, it sounds like maybe it's a show you might like. That's why I had to bring it up, because if okay. you're taking time to listen to us, then you definitely would like to listen to someone like, you know, Guillermo del Toro, Steven Spielberg, or James Cameron. <laughs> well, I've got another show before we get to our featured review, and I'm going to let you guys, you know, get to anything else. So, for those who don't know, the three of us are also huge football fans. We've been a part of the same fantasy football league for... I don't know, more than a decade now. 66.6 .6 repeating percent of the people at the table have titles. Uh, just I won't mention any names or anything. But. <laughs> oh, Sam. Looks like a sad puppy right now. I'm All just right. trying to see who else is sitting at the table. That's why, because... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, those, those rings, I don't hear them clicking anymore. <laughs> Fantasy football podcast coming next week. Mm, that's no, right. A couple of asterisks. Barry Bonds also leads the league in home runs. Um, so I, knew I, I knew I was going to. You uh, had to go you know, there. I'm you sorry. had to go there. So anyway, the show I just finished watching about a week or so ago is called All or Nothing, the Dallas Cowboys. So this is an all-access show created exclusively by Amazon Prime. If you've got Amazon Prime, you can watch, I think, all three seasons. This is the third season. The Arizona Cardinals were featured in Season 1. The Los Angeles Rams and their move out west were mm -hmm. featured in Season 2. And the show creators, they pick a team to follow for an entire NFL season, but they keep it a secret until the year's over. And they don't release the show until April. 
They just got put out in April after the draft. In terms of both drama on and off the field, guys, they could not have picked a better team than the Dallas Cowboys. Wait, the Dallas Cowboys are drama. Exactly. Okay. Look, there were massive expectations for America's <laughs> team heading into last year, but it was littered with all sorts of distractions and drama. And what's cool about this show, guys, is it's truly an all-access show. Yeah. You know, normally all we see is locker room post-game interviews or post-practice interviews, but the show producers, they've got cameras everywhere, inside a practice facility, at players' homes, everywhere in between. And I think that kind of allows fans to really see how these players truly react to what's going on. You've got Ezekiel Elliott. You realize, you know, he's dealing with an on-again, off-again suspension. You realize in the show, he's just a kid. I mean, he's a kid. He's like 21, 22. He's immature. Clearly doesn't really know how to deal with what's going on. You've got Des Bryant, who is crazy. He's as volatile as player as possible. And gone. And yeah, now gone. You see how the coaches, how delicately they like have to work with him to make sure he doesn't explode and, and during a game, especially as his skills decline. You see Jason Witten in what ended up being his final season. Dak Prescott go through some major struggles in his second year. You also see head coach Jason Garrett try to keep it all together. And then, of course, at the center of it, what makes this season good, you've got the most famous football owner in the league, Jerry Jones, and his whole team is run by his family. And you get to see, like, you know, football is life and bigger than life in Texas. And it's well illustrated in this series. Uh, like Champ said with the show he just mentioned, if you're a film fan, you want to see that. If you're a football fan, I, I recommend All or Nothing. Have you guys seen any of these seasons? I, I, I've, I've seen Hit or Miss, like a couple of them. Because like, HBO does Hard Knocks, and then yep. so Amazon maybe, does kind of the whole season. Well, Amazon has the, uh, they, they started to transition this to college, too, because Michigan mm -hmm. Michigan mm -hmm. football has the All or Nothing series. Yeah. That's, That's what I've, I've right seen now. that one. Yep, so I know I've seen the All deal. or Nothing. I'm sure a lot of people listening or Michigan fans have watched that, so... If you're a football fan, it's it's really cool. It's uh you know it's it's a huge kind of reveal behind what's going on behind. Thirty three point three percent repeating at this table are Michigan fans, so just want to make sure. <laughs> that same thirty three point three repeating percent do not have rings in the <laughs> AFFL. Okay, anyways, <laughs> we're gonna move on now to uh, to our featured review, guys. This is a highly anticipated superhero. Well, really superhero movie, a Deadpool 2. Oh, I shit my pants. Actually, that may have been me. Oh, you're living the dreams, DP. Yeah. Devil we care how to do. Strong guys. You're the one girlfriend. Sorry, I'm late. I was rounding up all the gluten in the world and launching in a space where it can't not hurt us ever again. Kiss me like you miss me, Red. What in the fucksicle is this? My name's Cable. I'm here for the kid. Alright guys, obviously this is uh, a sequel released just a couple years after the original Deadpool, starring Ryan Reynolds as our main character, Wade Wilson, Deadpool. Josh Brolin's also in this. Morena Baccarin, Julian Dennison, Zazie Beetz. That's a that's a legit name, Zazie Beetz. I like that. T.J. Miller, Leslie Uggams. Um, this is a follow-up to a pretty successful uh, film from Marvel. The IMDb plotline here: Foulmouth mutant mercenary Wade Wilson, A.K.A. Deadpool brings together a team of fellow mutant rogues to protect a young boy with supernatural abilities from the brutal time-traveling cyborg Cable, directed by David Leach. And uh, did he do the original? Anybody know? No, he did not. Actually, the uh, original director um, of the first Deadpool movie um, dropped out late in the project. So uh, this Leach guy sort of came on and uh, picked up the uh, strings of right. uh, the original um, Deadpool guy, I don't have his name in front of me, but he um, had creative differences way through the project, okay. so he decided to leave. Um, but yeah, Deadpool. When you talk about Deadpool within the yet another uh, superhero comic book movie here, um, he is, I think what we need to briefly say is Deadpool is actually considered to be part of the X-Men universe, yep. not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which we talk about even though he is a Marvel property. Uh, that has to do a lot with 
which studios own the rights to which characters, yada, yada, yada. We yeah. don't need to get into that minutia, but you just need to know that he is in a different universe, at least for now, than Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, all yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and Deadpool, uh, obviously we had the Ryan Reynolds movie from a couple years ago. He also made an appearance um, in the X-Men Origins Wolverine, where he was also played by Ryan Reynolds. His um, reception from that was not uh, very good. <laughs> uh, they sort of portrayed him as sort of like a zombie mutant creature in that movie. Um, and, and a lot of fans were really upset with the, what they did to the character of Deadpool in that. It was completely unlike anything in the comics. Um, and that was actually a big motivating factor for bringing him back around and having him his own standalone movie yeah. that was more true to what he was in the comic books. Yeah. Well, I think, guys, in general, the character Deadpool, especially his comic book origins... They really allow for these two films to kind of set themselves apart from the other superhero movies. First up, and talking generally about both films, it's because Deadpool is not a superhero. He's more of an anti-hero. He often breaks the fourth wall. He's done that in the comic books since the 90s when he was first written into the Marvel Universe. He talks directly with the reader, or in our case, the audience, about things happening in the movie. Uh, he literally can't die. He regenerates if he loses a limb. That allows for hilarious moments in the second and first film. And, of course, in the case of these films, they're rated R. Most superhero movies are PG-13. Not the case with Deadpool or Deadpool 2. That allows for the crude comedy of Ryan Reynolds to shine through. He's perfectly cast. And specifically with Deadpool 2, I think... And pre-spoilers here, it achieves something most sequels don't. I actually think it's better than the first. Yeah. Uh, specifically funnier than the first. And when I was trying More to figure funny. out why that was, guys, what I kept coming back to were the characters. The sequel just features more heroes, or I guess wannabe heroes, mutant rogues, as the plot line would describe them. That generates just a ton of laughs. Uh, I will dive into that a little bit more during spoilers, but that's one thing I thought was really a hit here. Did you guys think this was better, worse? I agree that it, I think it probably is a little bit better than the first one, and I think that's because the, the first one is an origin story, that you're uh -huh. kind of constrained by, and I wouldn't say it was a straightforward origin story, because there was some time-jumping and non-linear plot devices, and there was a little bit of that in this one, too. Um, but I think you're kind of constrained by the story when you're doing an origin story. This one allowed the characters to sort of branch out, and it's a more in-depth sort of... Uh, twisty-turny sort of story. I agree the rated R tone of Deadpool allows it to sort of stand in a different spot than like Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy, which while they have serious things in them, they still feel more like fantasy, comic booky tone. This one allows it to sort of, it fits well for the character of Deadpool. You know, it's it's just like so gritty and real and he's so self-aware that it's, it's hilarious. I mean, this, oh, yeah. the, how many cultural pop culture references are in this movie. I mean, it's 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 countless. Oh yeah. And it's and it really works for some great comedy. I agree. There were just a smattering of Marvel references. We even got a DC reference at one point during the heart of the a couple film. Of, yeah, couple a couple of a couple of DC references. Those were pretty funny, not to give too much away, but you know, when you think of superheroes and the action scenes and the fights, uh, in a way the other films kind of tone it down and water it down a little bit. In Deadpool, he's using his swords to decapitate dudes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the the gore is pretty gruesome in both films, and the fact that it's rated R obviously makes it so it's not for everybody, it's not for kids, but it, it, it allows the films, especially mm -hmm. the second one, to really branch off and do things that other superhero movies don't. What do you think, oh, yeah. Sam? Oh, I dig it. I like Ryan Reynolds as is, as Ryan Reynolds. Um, I just think his humor is perfectly casted for Deadpool. Um, the the kind of like the jokes, how he slows down and tells you the joke, you know, as they slow down the fight scene. Like, I just feel like that just fits right into like how he is as a person. If you ever, you know, just um, watch any of his perfectly other... Perfectly cast. Yeah, if you ever watch any of his other flicks. Um, I thought the first one was funny. I came in with, you know, expectations of it to at least hopefully be as funny. It exceeded that. Um, I laughed my ass off, you know, like, yeah. just every little thing. Um, I was a big X-Men fan growing up, so with them to tie into the whole X-Men 
was really cool as well. Um, seeing Colossus, and then you know we laughed at that point with Nightcrawler standing there, and they're like, "Jesus Christ, where is everyone?" <laughs> like you know, some like just like the certain scenes and the funny parts really tied into it all, and like he did really really well, and and the storyline was great, the plot was fine. I liked you know the the villain, the whole twist in the whole movie. I just thought it all came together, left it open for another one. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's almost no plot in either Deadpool film, really, especially the first. There's not yeah. much to it um, in terms of actual story. I think there's a little more this time. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a right. lot more this time with, right. with the little kid. and Yeah, there's the sort more of characters. Stuff. You have to yeah. move it along. But yeah, the first one didn't have much of any, and, and it's it was successful nonetheless. I, this movie's just really fun to watch, whether it's through, like, you know, the, the comedy, obviously. You never know when it's gonna when the next hilarious line, whether it's from Ron Reynolds or T.J. Miller as his friend is hilarious. Oh, yeah. um, you know, everyone gets a little bit of a, a chance. Even Josh Brolin, who plays Cable, yes, he's playing another villain within the uh, Marvel, uh, you know, kind of global world here. Um, but so even he has a couple lines that are kind of funny, and it, <laughs> it sort of comes off as awkward because he's like this time-traveling guy. Big macho, man. Um, but aside from the comedy, I mean, it's gory hand-to-hand combat, but it is some awesome fighting. Like, it, it's wonderfully choreographed it has a lot of martial arts and kung fu origins to it this karate type sequences with deadpool and his allies just killing the shit out of unnamed henchmen all throughout the movie (laughs) and it's just it it is gory and it's it's an r-rated movie but it's so fun to watch like it's so fun and and yeah i think one thing that i'll dive into a little bit more in spoilers is certain characters that are added in the dynamic of that character and their power allows for some really cool uh, really, really cool action sequences. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but I think of, you know, Domino in particular. Um, just or her Paul. character. <laughs> Peter. Peter. Peter, <laughs> Paul. Uh, Mary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that in spoilers. But I think all in all, um, we really enjoyed this. Yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, I do... I, I do think at times the movie is on the verge of being a little bit too self-aware and wacky. Um, you know, we, we there's moments in this story where we have sort of a heartfelt moment and it's supposed to be, like, you know, serious and stuff, but then it's immediately usurped by a goofy line or wisecrack. Or, uh, or some goofy opening credits. Right, yeah. As soon as you think there's a heartfelt moment, they speed, steer off and do the credits. Right, I, I mean, I would, I would like the movie to take itself seriously once in a while, because I do think that it is actually trying to send a message about, you know, Deadpool and trying to become a hero and a full-blown hero and not just an anti-hero and someone who has to live to actually do some good in the world. I think they actually are trying to say something about that. And I do think, at times, it gets a little bit too wacky. I think it should play it straightforward sometimes. And I think sometimes it veers... A little how closer often, to cross. How often does Deadpool play it straightforward, though? He doesn't really. Even yeah. when he is playing it straightforward, <laughs> he's still doing some sort of wise no, Yeah, well, some but, sort. But there are some serious notes no, oh, in this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, one of the things I liked about it, especially in contrast to the first one, there were moments that, you know, there was some heart in this film. Uh, particularly one of the scenes towards the end with Deadpool and Vanessa. And you're not just talking about, like, heart spewed over the pavement. No, you're no. Talking I'm about, talking like, about like, actually you, moving moments, connections between characters. I thought that they actually had more of that than I was expecting. Yeah, and you're right; they sure. they don't hold it long. They don't hold those scenes very long. But there was one towards the end I thought was pretty good, and I was actually pretty moved. And I thought, wow, like this is a pretty powerful emotional scene. And this is Deadpool we're watching. Well, sort of what's sort of I think uh, symbolic of that is I love the music in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from everything from ACDC when to uh, like rap music to dubstep to, uh, you know, Dumb opera. Stuff. There's opera at some point that just randomly pops in. Dubstep's not still cool, is it? <laughs> and Wait, I think, dubstep? I think, you know, well, what's dubstep? Uh, anyways, and I think in this movie, because the tone is all over the place, I almost feel like the movie or the music in the movie sort of is, like, symbolic of that, right? It's 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 sort of like it, we go from comedy to ultraviolent to heartfelt drama. And like that, the music in the movie's all over the place as well. And that's usually a weird thing, I think. But in this movie, because it's this wacky Deadpool comic book movie that's breaking the fourth wall all the time, I think it works a little bit. Yeah, I actually had that as well. I, I kind of likened it to being different with the music it chooses and, uh, and compared it to Guardians of the Galaxy. You've just got a totally different set of, of songs that are featured in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it helps to lighten the mood. You know, I mean, the t- traditional superhero movie, like, with... You know, Iron Man, you've got 
ACDC as he flies down on the ground. But in Guardians of the Galaxy, there were some hilarious, just funny old tunes that Peter Quill uh, loves. And then in this, too, yeah, the music really helped it along in terms of jumping from that emotion to emotion and bringing a lot of comedy. You know, you'd have just certain songs come on when there's just a bloody, gory fight scene, and it'd be some fun, happy song. And that's just kind of Deadpool in a nutshell. For sure. But despite what Deadpool says, this is not a family film. Don't bring your youngsters. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the, the babysitter, you know, she might be, you know, getting high at home. So, <laughs> all right. So I won't get into any more spoilers than that. Um, let's jump now into spoilers. If you have not, or if you, yeah, if you have not seen Deadpool, you want to click out um, right now. We're going to go over in a little bit more in depth of what we thought of the film and then and click back in towards the end. Um, I'll just kick it right off, guys. I, I, I said it. You know, in pre-spoilers, you know, new characters really helped to make this movie hilarious. Especially the X-Force team. You've got Peter. He's got no powers. He just wants to help. Mustache, and he's got a though. sweet stash. You've got <laughs> Vanisher, who's just an invisible character. Played by Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. oh, who shows oh, up. I know. Oh, he's, a, he's a floating... <laughs> he's literally just a floating parachute bag flying through the air. And then perhaps the briefest cameo you could ever see. I had to actually go into the IMDb credits to make sure that was brad pitt right because we heard the rumblings uh in the theater you've got lucky her superpowers she's just lucky everyone's yes. like super skeptical like well, what do you mean you're just lucky that's not a power uh yes and, it is and she proves that indeed it is and that leads to some awesome action and fight sequences and just how she doesn't do much but just evades trouble um i need a bus and I guess you know all this, all of that happened during the the parachute scene as they're kind of uh, assembling X Force. I probably laughed harder at that scene than any other. Personally, we see this team of wannabe superheroes literally fall apart in minutes. You know, you you've got you've got the guy whose only power is to spit venom, and he gets stuck in a in a, a you know a machine that. Basically, it's a tree grinder. What am I yeah, thinking wood chipper. Yeah, a wood chipper. And he throws up on Peter, and his yeah, arm just yeah. falls off. It, it, but it plays oh out like... That's, that's a scene I really like, though, with the Thunderstruck playing, and they're jumping out, and it's filmed awesome. Like, oh, like, it's yeah. super cool. But... It, that, goes, that goes back to the realistic tone that Deadpool goes for and can go for with a with a rated R film. Because if these nobodies who think they're superheroes actually got together and tried to do something like this, <laughs> this is what would happen. And that's a oh, direct man. contrast to something like the Avengers, where everyone's just yeah. so super that they're they're super duper can never do anything wrong. And that's that's hilarious to see something like X Force, which is like. What is that name? That's terrible. It's it's gender equality and neutral, as Ryan Reynolds says. Uh, but it's just funny to see like how this is actually how it would play out if people tried to do something like this. I mean, you know, we all learn that you know if we ever want to be superheroes, guys, no jumping out of planes when there's strong winds in the area, yeah. or you'll end up splattered yeah. in a helicopter. You know, one thing that surprised me is they kill off Vanessa, his girl. Before the main credits are even aired. I, I yeah. did not see that coming. I did not think that they were going to kill her off. I thought that maybe their relationship would be developed throughout. But, but I think they did develop the relationship a little bit more throughout the movie after that, though, with the whole, like, not being able to get through the force and saying, she tells him, speaking of heartfelt, that her his heart is not in the right place. Yeah. And that the tie really is there. And it really makes, and I think that's when you said there was a lot of emotion more with Deadpool. I feel like that's where they generated all the emotion. Yeah, she was still in the movie. I just wasn't, I was surprised that they just were oh, like, was, oh, we're going to kill you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that... Uh, Should have sharpened that. Point. No, I agree. Yeah, I, and obviously she's a big part in the in the plot in terms of him coming along as a more of a superhero rather than an anti-hero. But I mentioned, I really liked the last scene where he finally meets her um, right before he's... He's kind of Kiss me like he's you revived miss me, baby. by Cable, who goes back. But no, there was actually a heartfelt moment, and that was really a cool moment. I thought mm -hmm. it was powerful. Um, you kind of had one of those a little bit earlier in the film, but like I said, they veer off quickly in the opening credits, and the credits are like, produced by, no way in hell you just killed her. Yeah. You are horrible people. Yeah. And that was a carryover from the first one as yeah. well. But you mentioned Cable reversing time and, and giving Ryan Reynolds another chance. That was another detail I liked is... Going into this, everyone's like, oh, Cable, he's going to be the bad guy, another Josh Bowen uh, villain. Yeah. By the end of this movie, Cable is actually the hero. He's, right. he's part of the team. He, he makes a transition. Deadpool. And we, what we find out is really there is no straight hero or villain in this movie. Everyone has motivations for different reasons. Yeah. And I think that is a really interesting concept. It really plays well, on that same idea 
of the character of Deadpool itself. Like, what is a hero? What makes a hero? The only villain and, was the headmaster. Yeah, you could say him, I guess. But you the know, pedophiles. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you could say them. <laughs> but but, but I the think cab that, driver got him. <laughs> but I think that it's really an interesting idea of you know what makes a hero, and that this movie plays into that well. And Cable Very becomes so. one of the most interesting characters in the movie because yeah. of that, I think, because you understand his motivations. Yeah. And it is; it's very real. It, it, it does feel more real. In between watching the first and second, I uh, did a little bit of studying up on Deadpool and discovered that in the comic books, Cable and Deadpool are a team. So I, I kind of knew there was something more to Cable going into it. Man. Kind of half spoiled it for myself, but yeah, I agree. You know, you have the, the these characters that just seem more realistic, and they can't survive every absurd fight or battle. And you know, I I, I mentioned it in the, in the beginning, and I know Champ, you said, I think you guys both said this was a hilarious part of it. Is you know his regenerative powers those just allowed for a couple of oh, awesome with the baby legs. Scenes. The well, baby legs is. Such unique, like slapstick physical oh, yeah. humor. It's it's one of the better <laughs> ways I've ever seen it done, honestly. Oh yeah. As he's crossing his legs and it's, wearing, it's, what does he say? Like a short shirt? Or yeah, like yeah. what's he yeah. I forget what the word is, yeah, but yeah. it was funnier than hell. He, he just had like a little uh, like it a button like and just covered his crotch. But yeah. there, there's lots of jokes and references, like we mentioned other comic book heroes in the DC universe. You know, he says, I'm Batman to cable at the <laughs> oh, start. Yeah. You know, jokes about the cab driver calling him Brown Panther. And <laughs> and he's in the when they're in the uh, when they're in the when they take his powers away by putting the collar on, and he's like, oh, now I'm just like a bag of cancer. Give me a bow, and I'm basically Hawkeye. You know, <laughs> oh, just like yeah. these funny, you know, he calls Josh Brolin Thanos. Yeah. You know, all the famous X-Men, when they, like you mentioned yeah. earlier, when they close the door, they're like, we Night can't Crawler. get any famous X-Men to show up in this movie. And, then and, all, shows and they all just shut the door. Yeah. Like, those little touches and being self-aware and Marvel sort of making fun of themselves yeah. is really funny. It's yeah, really works. Well, and they even jab DC. And DC, at one point, they're escaping from the, the prison for the mutants. And, you know, there's a joke. I don't remember exactly what it is. But it's just about the film being darker. And DC yeah. and how they've decided to add that tone to their films. He goes, whoa, that's dark. Are you sure you're not from the DC universe? Yeah. That's what he says to Cable is what he well, says. And they don't just make fun of um, themselves. You know, you, there's some huge fourth wall breaking. I mean, it's, it's Deadpool breaking the fourth wall. And then, you know, to Ryan Reynolds breaking the fourth wall. Obviously, the the stinger afterwards, where Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, he gets the the time machine. Yeah. He goes back and and basically he says he's cleaning up some timelines and and taking care of things he wished he didn't do. And one scene is Ryan Reynolds holding out a Green Lantern script, and yeah. he's like, "This is a my big break." Yeah. And Deadpool just clocks. Although he might want to think about that because that's where he met Blake Lively. And uh, if you ask me, that was a good choice, Ryan. That was a good choice that you can at least take out of that. He also kills the original incarnation of Deadpool. Yeah. from X-Men Origins Wolverine. Which oh, that's who that was! Yeah. So that, that's... Okay. So, uh, I didn't get that because I hadn't seen that, but it makes sense Yeah, now. the mid-credit scenes are pretty funny. And I want to touch base on you saying like characters that really made it. And I really like Colossus in this. I really thought that he did a good job. For someone that's not like too prevalent... He, I like when he got him to say fuck, you know. He was oh, like, yeah. come on, one time, one he's time. He's a straight-laced character. That's but, why he's in the comics. Very like, much so. stands up for everything that's right. And that plays of... perfectly often. And, and, then oh, he, yeah. and then the fight scenes, like you were saying, I thought that the fight scene with the Juggernaut was a really cool mm-hmm. twist of things and that, you know, it showed, like, how Colossus always had Deadpool's back even though Deadpool broke the rules. Yeah, with the X-Men that they bring in here, obviously we don't get Wolverine, we don't get Cyclops, we don't get Storm. Who's we don't get girl? a lot of the... Uh, her name's Tina... Teenage Negasonic Warhead or Negasonic <laughs> Teenage Warhead. Yeah, they do. She's, she's angsty. Yeah, but anyways, we don't get the famous X Men. But I do like in this movie. One thing I, did, I think they did better is they bring the X Men universe in more. In the first movie, you know, Colossus and Negasonic Warhead are in it, but there's not a whole lot. We don't get to see the mansion. We yep. don't get to really see much. This one, the X Men is sort of folded in and it develops the conversation that have been has been developed in the x-men movies of you know human and mutant relations and that's obviously a big theme in those you know we obviously have the school where fire fist the kid little kid comes from you know and and we see that while mutants are more accepted they're still not fully accepted they're still a shunned part of society right and i liked how that sort of brought those questions in more than the previous day and there were some even subtle political you know there's a little bit of political commentary i think you know you 
they, they almost kind of made some parallels uh, at certain points as the X-Men comparing them to maybe immigrants in, in, in the United States. And there's a lot to be said about that. They didn't dive too deep because it's Deadpool, but there was a little bit of that in there as well. There was definitely some some social commentary as well. Yeah, and I also like the idea, you know, the, the sort of idea, if we're going to go to deeper themes, where, I, where part of what we're saying, there are some heartfelt things in this movie, is the idea of family and how even though you're not a real family, you can, you know, like I said, Deadpool says, this is a family film. Obviously it's not. But it does play on that idea of family and what a family could be. You don't have to be blood to be a family. Right. And that's really... That's what Firefist. Right. That's really identified in the relationship between him and Firefist, uh, the kid. Who I love this kid. I, I actually saw him in a movie, a New Zealand movie called Hunt for the Wilder People, which I really liked. Uh, I know. Where did you pull that one from? I know. Super random. But he was in it and he was hilarious. And he's equally as good in this one. Yeah, he was good. Uh, just the idea of, you know, how Firefist and Deadpool are super damaged humans who have had some messed up stuff happen to them um, but they decide after a while that they need each other they actually yeah. make each other better by being together they're sort of like the the band of misfits but when they're together they can be each other's family i love the i think they maybe took from logan a little bit when they have the team up of like a, a superhero with a younger character yeah. and how they can play off each other that worked well in logan i think they try to advance that a little bit in this one um, but i just like some of these deeper themes that are intermixed with the comedy yeah, I agree, and I, I think that, you know, what Deadpool has is it's very crude. It's 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 a rated R film. Those themes that you're talking about, they're not new. Uh, I mean, look, you could almost you could compare Colossus and Deadpool to Captain America and Iron Man, you know. But you've got this more edgy film um, where you know we've seen a lot of these themes and these family relationships and the idea of. You don't have a family, but you find your family. That's not, I mean, yeah. new. But because Deadpool has got its own edge to it, and the jokes can kind of take it a notch up, it makes it feel unique in its own way. My favorite when Firefist takes the food to, to the juggernaut. We don't know it's a juggernaut yet. And he drops it underneath, and he's about to take it, and the little snack pack's still sitting there, and he reaches oh, under yeah. and slaps it. And he goes, and he sits down, and the, and the guy, like, hits it or whatever. He goes, ah... We're a team, yeah. you know, like when you say we're like Tupac and Ice Cube, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh, th this movie's jam packed with with comedy and, and original comedy, and it's delivered well by funny people. Oh, absolutely. So you know, I think that it's it's definitely a good time at the movies. Um, you know, it's something worth seeing for I, sure. I, I think that this movie wouldn't um wouldn't do justice if it were someone other than Ryan Reynolds. He's perfect. I mean, I, mean, I don't. I'm trying to think of someone that you could almost put in replace of him if it were ever to be like we say, like Captain America is about to be, you know, recasted. Um, like if Iron Man for yeah. you know, I mean, Tony. Yeah, they've done a good job. Marvel's found the right people for these roles. I don't. Well, think Ryan Reynolds is like Tony Stark with the editor off. With, yeah, with exactly. the, He's like a cr a more crude version of Tony Stark in a way. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 cool. But you know, it's definitely a movie worth watching. I mean, mm -hmm. if you guys let's uh, I say we get yeah. to our final uh, sort of say here. So who wants to start it off? Go ahead, Evan. Yeah, I'll kick it off. Uh, like I said, guys, uh, especially in in film in general, especially in superhero movies, it's no small feat to have a sequel that's better than the first. But like I said, I think that there's a little more of a story here. You have more characters involved. That allows for more relationships, a few more heartfelt moments, and some more themes. And all in all, uh, there's just a lot to this movie. It's hilarious. Obviously, it's not for the faint of heart, but I really liked it. And for what it is, a really crude a superhero, anti-hero movie, I don't think you can do much better. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I agree. Ryan Reynolds is what makes this movie. Yes, we have some good supporting characters this time, but Ryan Reynolds just drives the whole film with his humor, his wit, his awkward charm, you could say. Um, you know, this movie, I was laughing out loud nonstop. Everyone in our theater was. It was consistently funny throughout the whole thing. But at the same time, like you said, Evan, it has heartfelt themes. It has some really important moments between him and Firefist, uh, for sure. Cable is a great addition. He's sort of a, a complex character who we think is a villain, then we find out, no, he's actually a hero. Um, like I said, I do think there are times when it borders on being maybe a little bit too wacky, but at the same time, that's what I like about the movie. Yeah. The action sequences are amazing. Uh, the great I feel like it's a great throwback to some of the kung fu martial arts movies. Um, it's just a really fun time at the theater, and I gave it an 8 as well. So, well, 
for me, that it took me a minute to kind of say, you know, like I, I wanted to give it a nine really, really bad. Um, I didn't think I could justify giving it a nine, although I didn't finish my popcorn bucket, which is very rare. So, I mean, I must have been laughing too much to be able to eat my popcorn, right? Are you right? feeling okay, bud? Wow. So, so um, all in all, I, I, I don't think I can give it a nine, so I went, I, we do... I went eight and a half, but I'd have to go on the lower end of the eight and a half. I just couldn't give it a nine, yeah. so I would do an eight if because of our we only we don't do halves. So I, I would go with an eight as well. So I think the general consensus would be an eight here. I would say an um, eight on the plus side. Yeah, yeah, that'd yeah be, and just to be that clear, be like too. you know, we don't have these crazy rules, but we all rate on IMDb. So we go yeah. on the IMDb scale, and that's what I you know and they you have can't. you know one through ten. So that's how we do it as well. But yeah, I think we all thought this was eight really on the plus good. Side. And for what this is, I don't know if this kind of movie could ever reach a nine or a ten. But for what it was, we all really liked it. Deadpool yep. 2, a huge, huge thumbs up Highly from recommend. the SDFP. All right, guys, before we wrap it up, let's get to the ways to connect with us. Uh, business cards. Business cards, although Champ has about 672 more left. I counted them all on my business call. Hey, I actually made a return trip from the theater. I was heading there, and I turned around and came back to get the business cards <laughs> so I could hand a couple so out. So that's why so there's I, 672 left. Yeah, so I did yeah. my part on that one. But, yeah, we got to do a better job handing those out. We paid for Maybe them. Maybe we can get the theater to put them up. Exactly. They Great. like us. Celebration. They love us. We love you. We love you. You give us Facebook likes. We give you Facebook likes. It's a great partnership. It's a transition. But anyways, right. other than business cards, like I said before, all social media, just search Second Day Film Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter. Tell us what you're watching. Yeah, let us know what you're watching. Uh, like I said, list. we're going to be doing Solo next week, but after that, I think we'll probably have another What's one. What's your favorite our... Star Wars film? Yeah. Let us know. I think we're going to have another poll after that. Um, like I said, you know, podcasts will hopefully be semi-regular here with summer. We're all busy guys, um, so we have other things to do, but we're going to keep trying to watch movies and, and we'll do podcasts on a semi-regular basis uh it's good to be back though guys i'm glad we're, we're back from our little uh short break here and uh we'll uh we'll keep moving forward yeah absolutely as always thanks for listening in we're glad to uh we're glad to, to have you listening on this saturday thanks for joining us and we'll see you at the